Hello everybody, welcome back for another episode of Mangum Reads. As per usual, I'm Spencer, and joining me are BJ and Sarah, the former of whom has our thematically appropriate intro for this episode. Excellent. Um, oh god, it Let starts. me pull up my notes. I've decided to poach the intro from Spencer this episode. Hopefully you won't be too steamed about it. And heads up, we shall be doing another story of, of, of hers next week, since this story is a little bit scrambled. Well, I think of as an author, she's quite cracking. The story doesn't quite whisk us away, but as always, we try and look on the sunny side of things. We'll push through this hard set. But anyway, before too many more yokes, let's try and get this over nice and easy. We are doing... Observe I, have chest, Christ. <laughs> I have chest pains now. I'm actually in pain. I'm You're feeling welcome. a bit. I'm feeling a bit shattered, BJ. Stop it! Stop it now! <laughs> Actually, we can't. It's the subject of this entire damn story. It's the only run-through thread. <laughs> so we're doing observations about eggs from the man sitting next to me on a flight from Chicago, Illinois, to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, by Carbon Maria Machado. Yes, we are. <laughs> Um, this, I, so we had a series of short stories that we could choose from, and this just seemed like the most, I, catchy title of any, Oh yeah. like mm-hmm. it, it just, it leapt off the page and decided that, that it desperately needed to be, uh, read, talked about is, is going to be a different issue. Um, <laughs> we will talk. <laughs> yes, we will talk. Um, things will happen. Uh, but in terms of the subject matter do we really have much to offer beyond what the title said it was going to be I think that that's a pretty uh, accurate pricey of what is going on we've had some titles in the show that were outright misleading as to what their subject matter was this one provides a full on description of the plot right on it yes Um, I do think that BJ and I have some appropriate drinks for the evening. Oh, let's start there. We did are going to get us through. (laughs) Well, I actually switched to to a different drink because if I drank too many more things (laughs) like that, I... You you might have egg philosophy for us by the time you're done? I I would be pickled. (laughs) All right. Okay, well then Sarah, let me tell you what's about, your drink? about my drink. So I have done um, what what I am calling a uh, Chicago to Cedar Rapids sour. And it is uh, based on a New York sour, but it's whiter, so I guess that's appropriate <laughs> as well. <laughs> on brand? Okay. Um, so it is, a, and it does in fact feature eggs. And this is, I... Um, so I'll, I, I'm going to tell you about it, and then I will give you my review of it, because this is a wild drink. Um, so it is gin, about equal parts gin and, or I'm sorry, about twice as much gin, and then equal parts kind of elderflower liqueur, a little bit of simple syrup, uh, lemon juice, and um, a little bit of bitters, and then it is shaken with um shaken with an egg white and so that's where the kind of sour comes in that is also where we come back to eggs as we do um but then once you have poured it you um on the back of a bar spoon pour in right underneath uh the layer of the foam created by the egg white in about half a cup of red wine which I looked at and I thought, well, okay, I guess this is this is appropriate. I don't, the, I don't know what this is going to be, um, but I made it, and it is both very pretty, and it's actually really, really good. Hmm. Um, I did not expect for the gin and the red wine and the elderflower liqueur to do anything that made any sort of sense at all. Um, but it, it absolutely does, and it becomes um, sort of lighter than drinking just a, a glass of red wine. It is a little bit dangerous, and um, it has some really kind of interesting, refreshing flavors going on in it. So, um, Spencer, you usually ask me where these rank in the mm-hmm. cocktails that I've made. I would say that this is top three. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of an endorsement it's right there. It's really very good. Well, BJ, what were you drinking before you decided that a couple more of those would have been a terrible idea? So I was drinking what 
the internet is is a weird place um to or were. a grapefruit gin fizz has what seems to be many variations um and i guess mine was a little less fizzy because i didn't put something particularly effervescent in it um but it was basically uh an egg white uh and two parts grapefruit to one part gin mm-hmm. and it's super light and fluffy and and i had one and I let it settle a bit so you get some of the liquid and some of the foam and then I just drank one that was essentially just foam and it was great because <laughs> it's su- like it's super light and refreshing and like fun to drink and then it was just like okay well I just had like one or two drinks and that was like a couple minutes so just it like it doesn't feel like drinking oh, ingesting foam doesn't feel like drinking right yeah that seems fair <laughs> um, like it a hundred percent feels like drinking because of the alcohol, <laughs> but it doesn't feel like like it doesn't have that same sensation and like the consuming it's more like a novelty candy rather than mm, like mm-hmm. an alcoholic drink. Gotcha. Um, and and so I decided it for the sake of myself and actually recording a semi coherent podcast. Um, I, I figured that that I should not continue drinking more of those um but i am a hundred percent behind putting eggs in cocktails now oh yes this is like one of one of my favorite kind of additions to cocktails and i don't know why i don't do it more because it really does change just the the like the really the feel of the drink itself and i really like it yeah um it kind of reminds me of like uh nitrogenating things like Mm. uh cold brew or beers or stuff like that where it's just like super rich and creamy but without the cloyness of it yeah yeah Uh, so highly recommend to all our listeners put raw egg in your drinks well keeping to our respective themes i'm drinking water but i do have a bowl of hard-boiled eggs that i'm eating during the course of this podcast so i'm trying to keep on theme in some (laughs) way How is a bowl at all a reasonable, first of all, like, measure, and second of all, like, it just, uh, okay. They come anyway. in their own containers, Spencer. Yes, but I had to carry them in the room somehow. That's what pockets are for. <laughs> not, no, I found I'm putting the various hard-boiled <laughs> eggs in a bowl where I then, you know, can put things on them and then eat them, found a perfectly legitimate way to have this meal. Okay. Well. Um, okay. All right. Well, when we when we hear one crack against the wall, we'll know that you've thrown it at some cipher figure in the room with you. <laughs> if the dog starts barking, yes, there may be a few <laughs> eggs thrown. Um. Okay. So I do. I also have uh, some. I have one review for us this week. This was a weird story wow. to do outrageous one star star reviews on because it is. Um, it really is a standalone short story that was um, kind of published in a literary journal. It's available online, uh, but it was not included in... A literary journal? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like Speed Magazine. Yeah. They're usually... I mean... I, I okay. Think can... So when you said literary journal, I, I associate that with like, not not like a literary magazine. Anyway. The, the terms are usually... Um, sort of interchangeable but i i i take your point okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um so uh, this story was also not included in carmen maria machado's um short story collection that recently came out it was a um i think it was on the sh- i think it was a finalist for i'm getting my prizes mixed up but it was a prim- finalist for the National Book Award, I think. So, like, she has been getting a lot of really interesting, very good press recently. But this this story was not actually included in that um, in that collection. So, even doing the kind of reviews of the collection, which I am going to draw one from for tonight, but that feels a little mm-hmm. weird because the story wasn't even in there. Um, but I did. So anyway, that's that's a whole long preface that that doesn't necessarily matter. I have found one review. I think that this was a two star review. It goes on for quite a while, so I have excerpted it. Um, <laughs> and this is on Goodreads, and this is um, 
This is for the short story collection called Her Body, Her Body and Other Parties. But I think that some of the things that this review says are referencing things that happen in this story. I won't say they're applicable to it because this is a a, a real tour de force of a last paragraph to this review. So, um, her body and other parties may best may be best recommended for, <laughs> for those who enjoy writing with lots of meaningful themes intentionally woven into them. This is a criticism of this book, by the way. Like, this is... Anyway, I have things to say. Um, I can't think of anything worse to spend my time reading. Maybe an alt-right manifesto. Some have described the book as, quote, feminist, but I don't know what that means in terms of fiction. An author either creates a compelling story and characters, or she doesn't. There isn't a single piece in this book I'd want to tell someone about, and for that reason, I can't recommend it. Machado errs on the side of obscurity and errs a lot. (laughs) That's a cutting final line. (laughs) Uh, yeah, especially for someone who was a finalist for the National Book Award. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what really, there, I, there are several things that I think we, we could comment on in, in this paragraph. Um, but the thing that I can't get over is this first line. <laughs> may best be recommended for those who enjoy writing with lots of meaningful themes intentionally woven into them. Which apparently the author of that criticism (laughs) deems an indictment. So, I mean, this is literature. (laughs) I wouldn't, it's not something that I would per se, like, I understand it as a criticism. Like, it makes perfect sense as a criticism. It's, It's just, they're doing it badly. Like, so there are writings that people do that Sarah you would complain about as essays. <laughs> yes. The, yes. And and so when when the themes are more apparent than the story, it's a problem. Mhm. And I think that's what they're trying to get at. They just do it poorly because <laughs> what they have writing described reviews on the fiction. internet. <laughs> right? They they're cr- they're cranky <laughs> about books on the internet. So I know and I god bless them. They're so pure. <laughs> I mean, even that criticism doesn't necessarily, as you said, BJ, it's a perfectly legitimate criticism to raise, but doesn't really feel appropriate for this story either, really. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> which this story is a little obscure, but... Um, <laughs> That's fair. That one's fair. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't particularly feel um, applicable for this story, nor does the kind of... This other stunning line in this in this review, which is the some have described the book as quote feminist, but I don't know what that means in terms of fiction. Uh, which, okay. Um, well, I, I see. I feel like you. I could knew say you were going to defend this, BJ. About the story, and I, I don't think it's a problem in the book. Mm-hmm. In in this sorry, in this short story, like I, this I think collection of two thousand words. But but it's definitely a theme that's sort of that I 100% understood as we were going through and was made clear at the end, mm-hmm. which I was a little disappointed about, honestly. Um, Why were you again, disappointed with it? Oh, because I, up until the end, I, I feel like you just get the sense that this is an older creepy dude talking to a younger girl, woman and being weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it says that. Two this, on the nose there at the end. Like, so, yeah, it, yeah, so does this feel a little bit like some of the... Like, that criticism really resonates with some of the things that we were saying about um, the uh, Nede Okorafor short stories. Where, like, if you just cut out the last paragraph or line or whatever, that they would have been stronger. Yeah, and, and like, it it wasn't, the, you know, the last last, but but very yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like, okay, like... There, there is a a sense of character and people and place and sort of all of the things, and then you had to go out and say that it's an older creepy dude hitting on a younger woman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like, but you like, you didn't need that. Like you had that. You had a well written, whatever the hell this is, yeah. and and you didn't need to tell us that because it was very well. I say it was very clear, but then again, we could have had very different interpretations because Spencer and I both thought that the AI from last time was female, so. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't. May I, I, I'm reconsidering my assessment on that whole thing, but that's a different that's a different <laughs> conversation to have. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think what that decision struck me as, um, and this is not. I'm not. Def- Defending it because I do think I do think that you're absolutely right. Like this was all there, right? Um, the creepy older man and the younger woman who is just sort of stuck with him on this flight is all already there in the subtext of what is going on here. I would suggest that so this was published in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen Maria Machado is approximately our age. Um, she has a memoir out, and then this was her first collection of short stories to come out. I think it, I think it came out in late 2018, maybe early 2019. Um, mm-hmm. So I would suggest that this is probably an early published story that she didn't trust her readership. Yeah, and uh, like that's the other thing I was going to say, because I could 100% see a lot of especially internet comments saying like, yeah, but, like, we don't know who the characters are. And some person saying, well, clearly it's this. And they're being like, yeah. oh, you're just projecting that onto because uh, she's yeah, a female yeah, author yeah. and whatever else. Yeah. And just being like, no, like, this is a weird dude. So I feel like if if this story was, if she wanted to date it, like some of our other, um, like, uh, hungry daughters of starving mothers... Mm-hmm. Um, she would have had this be an Uber driver. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because this actually, like, you are right. This does feel a little bit, a little bit timeless in the way that this is happening. Yeah, I mean, so nothing that she referenced was essentially within the past fifty years. I think so. Yeah. Like, it could have been any time in in um, in general, which I think is a m- much better way of going through the a story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not having it be okay. Well, clearly this was written in like 2010. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I don't know that I. I, I think that I had in our conversation about um, hungry daughters of starving mothers. What was, is that? The, <laughs> I've lost exactly what the title was. But I think that I was more <laughs> generous and continue to be more generous about the idea that I, like I'm fine with that being in a particular time and place. Um, mm-hmm. Partially because there's so much el- other weirdness happening with it that <laughs> grounding it was like kind of okay with me. Um, but I think that certainly for this story, um, the idea that this could have happened in 2019, that it could have happened in 1988, um, that it could have happened in 1978, like that really works for this story. Mm-hmm. Well- one thing that I think in my mind kind of explains the kind of on-the-nose reveal at the end is it seems like it's working off the individual structures of the paragraphs that came before it, mm-hmm. of where each of the paragraphs is built around, in some ways, an element of false hope or covered presentation, of where they each start with a seemingly normal enough kind of line mm-hmm. that inevitably goes weird, yeah. or inevitably gets twisted. and. That's how pretty much all the story's been built. And so I think in some ways the reveal at the end that he's a creepy old man is just kind of working off the format that everything else had come before it, of where she's previously, for each of these paragraphs, it's like, okay, maybe he's normal. Okay, oh God, he's not. And then finally she maybe, maybe, maybe she's just even reconciled herself, okay, he's just weird. Until finally that, no, he's creepy and this has been his way to try to chat me up. I think in some ways it, it is on the nose, and I found that a little bit annoying, but I think it's kind of painting yourself in a corner because that's kind of how all the story before it has been built. Yeah, and so the story itself, um, since we're using that term, um, <laughs> is, is, a, is a list of 15 numbers. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's 15 numbers um, that are all of these, I think, Spencer, did you text us earlier in the group thread that these this is a one-sided Mad Libs about eggs? Yeah, that was what I said, okay. and I stick by that. <laughs> um, I think that's as good a description as, as any, really. Um, go ahead, Spencer. Each, I mean, each paragraph starts with what sounds like it's going to be an interesting egg fact, <laughs> and it's an interesting egg fact from a very warped philosophical perspective on each way. Now, like, I will say that observation number six, six starts and ends with, I suppose, an interesting egg fact. Um, 
that is also a like literally all number six is is an egg is the most dangerous thing in the universe and i will say that number two is not completely unreasonable for how to poach an egg that's true this is the correct method of poaching eggs i'm a vinegar person are you a vinegar or a salt person i am way too lazy because essentially because because essentially you need to poach eggs singularly if you're gonna really poach eggs Mm -hmm. and so i think the best way and i haven't done it this way because i actually have an egg steamer so i just steam them but like i i think ramekins is probably the best way to do it because making a single poached egg at a time is just untenable in in how you live your life um now i yeah i will say that i really uh actually coddle eggs but that's neither here nor there. Spencer, how lost are you? Kind of <laughs> You're what? Res- however the restaurant serves them to you, Spencer. <laughs> In terms of my level of knowledge and expertise for poached eggs, it's like, well, when I order in the restaurant, I know what I'm going to get. And that's pretty much my array of knowledge about how they're produced. Okay. All right. So, Spencer, you, you should learn how to make a good omelet. And Jacques Pepin that I can do. has has great videos on it, um, oh, yes. and makes it very clear. And it's super sexist, but makes it very clear that a young man should know how to make an omelet for very specific reasons. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I learned how to make an omelet for exactly those reasons, but I do know how to make an omelet, so we'll just accept that. Okay. Um. So. But, sorry, go ahead, Bijan. So, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to go back to eat, uh, go back to the structure again. Okay. So for each one of these, it sounds like it's going to be an interesting fact. It sounds like it's going to be uh, there's something more than inane or more than twisted wisdom that's being offered here. But in each case, it's thwarted. And do we assume that in some ways our our I can't really call them the narrator. There was two characters technically in this story, but really only one is participating, other than a certain egg toss at the end. But do we think the uh, Direction by which all of this wisdom is going is meant to be a stand-in for our author, or more meant to be a stand-in for our reader. I I certainly read it as a stand-in for the author, um, simply because it's so weirdly specific. Hmm. Like this it, seemed it, it, like a you with a particular you attached to it. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's written with a degree of authenticity and detail that's almost like, okay, let me take some notes about what this guy's saying me right now in this flight that I took. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Th- this seems like it could have been like another passenger from a uh, Fight Club or something like that. <laughs> um, and just like it, it again, like we chose something weird, and it's ho- sort of hard to talk about it. And I don't want to just like read this story, but I feel like <laughs> the the turns are just. Whiplash and They're wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe, you know, yeah, can we take, one, let's just take one of the larger sections and read it just to so give our listeners a, a little bit of a taste of what we're dealing do, with here. So I want to do like a turn in one of the larger sections and then maybe you and or Spencer can do like another one. But like the, I don't know why I'm fixated on the poaching one, but it's the one that I have up and it just, it turns okay. so hard. Well, and, and so, it's, it's early, so I think that that's a good one to talk about because it, yeah. that's when you kind of get into the wildness that is this whole thing. Yeah, and 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 like it's kind of like a rock skipping. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like okay, so here's how how you poach an egg: you have boiling water and vinegar, and you break the egg into the bowl, and then you you carefully put it in, and. Um, you put the egg inside of, of the, the vortex that you make from spinning the, the water and the vinegar. And you can see the dense heart of the yolk through the clear atmosphere of white. And it is not entirely unlike looking at the earth from space. It's like, okay, that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Maybe you're just looking... an overly metaphorical person. Like, right. <laughs> these people exist then... in the world. Exactly. And it's like, okay, and you know, the heat will make the egg go opaque. And if the water's the right temperature, you can see it happening in slow motion. Okay, cool. Yep. 100% on all these things. The yolk will d- developing a skin. That doesn't really happen, but whatever. Then the, the white going well white. It's like watching an egg being formed inside the looped guts of a warm and bleeding hen. Bleeding, not bleeding. Yeah. What? Anyway, when you watch the egg like this, you are seeing only what only a god might see. 
Yeah, oh, we're going all, farther. We're off to the races now. Like this is. Yeah. Yeah, and and we just made a hard right turn that yeah. doesn't like doesn't go back and sen- and essentially until the next comment, and then that starts out a little weird, which is, have you ever seen a frozen egg? And it's like, okay. And then again, you get like a little bit of this like metaphorical thing. And then you get in some countries, none of them accessible by a plane like this one, four of these can be exchanged for basic necessities, seeds, Mm -hmm. a sack of potatoes, one shoe, but you need more yolks for the second shoe. And if you plant them in the ground, you might be able to get something more interesting than potatoes. And in other words, <laughs> I'm buddies with Jack and the Beanstalk. Like, yeah. How yeah. how sure are you that this guy is like, you know, it's like a 10 a.m. flight and he's already had like three martinis, <laughs> like in flight, not not before the flight. Before the flight, clearly he was drinking, but in flight, yeah. he's gotten three martinis, and and the stewardess is just like, I don't know, sir. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can serve you another. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, we've read a lot of stories by someone like, um, Jemison, for example, with playing nice with God's bowling ball, where the nonsense that he is talking about could actually have real heft in the world. And so Mm -hmm. there was a moment at the beginning of this story that I was like, oh, we're actually going into some weird revelation about how this guy on the plane is some sort of god or immortal figure or whatever and then you're like oh no 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 he's just he's just crazy yeah <laughs> oh, well well 100%. he's just nuts <laughs> it's like a 50 50 is yeah. this you know the second or third step on the hero's journey for the author yep or is this guy you know on an aisle seat but taking up both armrests and being a little friendly <laughs> and you know i think that that that, that like teetering that continues to happen because I think this goes back to the structure that you were talking about, Spencer, where it always loops back around to something semi-reasonable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I was t- I was taking notes up until about section five. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, you gotta figure out what weird. this world is. How does this work? How do you become a god with an egg? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure where the point's gonna hit, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm putting together an aspect of this man and his philosophy. Then we get to paragraph five, where we're suddenly talking about cutting the milk out of cows versus cutting the eggs out of chickens, yep. with laughter even inserted in, and I'm like, okay, notes are down, let's just see where this goes. I know, and I I'm... love that it goes the other way with this. Mm-hmm. That it becomes just a, like, run of the, run of the mill, I guess, but, like, it becomes this, like, like actually just an awkward interaction with someone mm-hmm. and it makes it so much more effectively universal in my mind that it doesn't have that kind of twist or connection to magical realism in some way it's mm-hmm. just like no 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 this is something every single reader has been through to some degree i'm just pushing it to 11 yeah so i think that it's great that it was in light speed magazine and that's going to be i mean it's i think tired of part of tour but like essentially like a very much this is like a sci-fi oh interesting okay because i didn't magazine. know anything about it um i believe i'm not 100 percent on that mm-hmm. um and like i'm sure they have like other stuff but um i i think that going in that would be the expectation mm-hmm. um and then i have a complete non sequitur for you because because we read these things together and i sometimes have a weird perspective which is, um, so in Judaism, there is basically dairy separate from meat things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can't, can't cook in its mother's milk. Yes. But there's this weird situation that like no one actually does for a variety of reasons, which is the milk that is inside of a cow when you kill it is technically meat and not dairy. Interesting. <laughs> And that's what I like. <laughs> that's what came up when I read this, and I was just like, "Huh? Oh, well, clearly it's not going that way." But uh, it, um, BJ I pulled up the about page for Lightspeed, and it describes itself as Lightspeed is a digital science fiction and fantasy magazine. In its pages, you will find science fiction from near future sociological soft science fiction to the far future star-spanning hard science fiction. 
and fantasy, from epic fantasy, sword and sorcery, and contemporary urban tales, to magical realism, science fantasy, and folk tales. God, the readership must have been confused by this story. God, Carmen Maria Machado was just trolling them. With delight. <laughs> and that's awesome. All of them were This makes me so happy. <laughs> I really want somebody that that's like, essentially coming from, you know, playing with God's bowling balls or something like that. Yeah. And, and just like... Oh, who is this guy? And then it just ends him with him being creepy, and it's just like, no, that's not what I wanted. I mean, when when we got to like paragraph four or section four, I thought we were really hitting the point. Is that like he's talking about you can open an egg and you can move into an entirely different world yep. and see another person opening another place at another time? It's like, okay, this guy's like you know unstuck between worlds. That's why he's kind of weird. He's connected to various wisdom of the universe. It's like, nope, you don't understand. I will make you understand. So, Spencer, I know you don't fly frequently. Uh-huh. What? I was going along with it, but what? Sure, okay, go on, sure. You don't fly frequently, do you? I fly about seven times a year. Okay. Anyway, um, how much would, would us, our listenership in general, have to have to put up for you to do this? To your seatmate. To, to what? Read this? To read it down to the seatmate? No, no, no. Not read it to them. But. Per se. To but essentially off, offer that wisdom to, to, to them. To, to create a, a one person play, essentially. <laughs> uh, there is not a number. It does not exist. I, I, was I 100% disagree with that. I just don't know where that number is. I've yet to ponder it. I'll put it that way. It's one of those things where I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself. At what point would I have told the person to shut the fuck up and I'd roll over and go to sleep? And I could say it would have been well before 15. Again, I'm a guy. I've got maybe that agency that the character lacks here and that awkwardness attached to it. But to me, the height of impoliteness is talking to the other person next to you on the plane. I have never had a conversation with anyone next to me on a plane that lasted for more than, like, three of these paragraphs. Oh, God. And see... Oh. Um, <laughs> I read this story and visceral understanding of what it would feel like to be in this situation and trying mm-hmm. not to interact, but not feeling like I could tell a person to shut the fuck up. I would have been at 15. Made it all the way there. Full yeah. Oh, egg yeah. Face. yeah. Yeah. It just I, would have kept going on. Like I, 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 I've luckily never had to be in that situation and I can only imagine how unpleasant it is because God, by the end of this, I can only imagine how just nightmarishly uncomfortable I would feel. Yeah. I'm almost to the point where if this was, if I was like the window seat and this was happening like near me or, you know, I was like the outside seat and not actually participating in it, like mm-hmm. I probably would say, like I've had interactions like this where something not egg based, <laughs> but something like it was happening and I was just like, I. I can't stand you talking. Please stop. When when clearly oh both people were not participating. Um, and it was I, just like, this, this is not acceptable. I have situations where I, it would have been useful for you to be along, BJ. I want so Sarah, to- 100%, I, like, if Lee's not willing to do this, you're more than welcome to, like, call me. And I will tell people, like, to stop talking to you because it's not okay. She's going to swipe her credit card on that phone in the back of the seat that some planes have just to put you oh there. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, I once, uh, and this has been several years ago, but I once got coerced into sharing a picnic on a train with a Greek man that I had never met before. And sharing he just, a picnic? Yeah, he brought a picnic with him, and um, we happened to be sitting next to each other, and he wouldn't shut the fuck up. So I got some nice cheese. (laughs) I don't remember if there were eggs there. There, It was like cheese and crackers and like sausage. And it was fucking strange. (sighs) No, no. I mean, there's being polite. There's making some brief small talk. But then there's just a respecting the fact that none of us want to be in these seats. None of us came here to be exposed to other people. We're here to go from A to B with as little pain as possible. Let's just have our own little separate orbits, our own little egg-like universes right now. Can we do that, please? Yeah. It, so it's it's sort of one of those like weird things that I feel like air, 
air travel is even more like insulating than mm. like trains or buses or things like that mm-hmm. and it's it's so much harder for me to just ignore the people talking and all, all of that other bs as compared to like a subway or a bus which honestly buses are hands down the worst form of travel but like those things i'm willing to tolerate just people talking and stuff like that and maybe even talking to me and i'm more willing to just ignore them whereas on a flight i feel like it's so much less acceptable and it might have to do with the amount that i've paid to to yeah. be in the situation um whereas just like you're on a subway you it's under five bucks that you've paid and it's just like all right whatever you're just that's just is what it is mm-hmm. um and i feel like ubers is are kind of the same way and i feel like it's it's just that i have paid for an experience to be at least somewhat what i want it and you're messing that up <laughs> what is the weirdest interaction that you both have had on a flight uh well, one that comes to mind to me. Have you ever had somebody fall asleep on you on a plane? I've had that on a Greyhound bus. I had a guy where I woke him up three times as he kept just falling entirely asleep on me. Like, he was in the middle seat, I was on the window side. And it was almost like he was lifting up the armrest so he could more completely lay upon me. <laughs> and that was already unpleasant enough, but he also apparently would move around and jerk in his sleep with sudden sharp movements. And so I was not only being laid upon, I was being gyrated by my pet, the person that was sitting next to me. You know, Spencer, and people that, pay for that. Not me. I was actively trying to avoid it. I woke this guy up like three times, and he kept returning to what he, I guess, viewed as his default position on me as his futon. And that was on a solid two-hour flight, and he started doing that about 30 minutes in. That sounds so, terrible. I did not enjoy that, and I... There was only, I mean, what do you tell a guy after you've woken up for the second time? I was running out of things to tell him is, dude, please stop doing this. And he'd just go right back to it. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't know. I also don't know who falls asleep that many times. I don't know what was up this guy. He did, he did not seem drunk or anything else. He was just a, he really probably, you know, this may have been him passively, aggressively suggesting he wanted the window seat. It was just... <laughs> Trying to occupy it on top of me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what about you, BJ? I've, I don't know. I, I've had many interesting travel experiences since I feel like I travel more than is reasonable um, mm. and not even particularly interesting places. Um, but, but yes, I, so I've had somebody fall asleep on me um, that. The, the only thing that I will say is I think I only woke him up like once or twice and I just like gave up because it was a Greyhound from Newark, New Jersey to Baltimore and um, the dude was not somebody I was comfortable like getting into an altercation with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also clearly hadn't showered or um, oh, many God. other things in, in recent times and mm. it's just like I just I just want to make it home like i don't yeah. particularly care anymore so so that was my like f- somebody particularly falling asleep on me um i've definitely had many um people that spill over their armrests um <laughs> and and that was uncomfortable uh so so the i think most entertaining story that i can tell for this was a recent um trip that i took where i had that experience where somebody was in the middle that um, didn't wasn't quite contained by the armrests um, and fell asleep quite a number of times and I mean he didn't fall asleep on me per se but like any movement that he did was essentially encroaching upon me um, it was a fairly early morning flight I think out of uh, North Carolina to like Dallas it was like two hour ish maybe mm-hmm. um, and not only did did this person pack food for this trip and eat it um and and i later found out that it was him and his wife um and if you expect a large middle-aged white guy and his wife was not 
any of those things. What she would look like, that's 100% what it is. Um, he ate like two or three sandwiches or something like that. And it was a Southwest flight. So they came through with snacks and then they asked, you know, does anybody want anything else? And he said, oh yeah, you know, can I have some more snacks? And then takes like six bags. <laughs> and the, the flight attendant like just looks at me and like kind of looks at him and like mouths something somewhat inappropriate for being in the service industry. And I <laughs> shrugged. Um, and it was just like, what on earth is going on? And so it was just like this dude ate like 2,000 to 3,000 calories in like a two and a half hour flight. And it was just like, what is going on? How is this not like an insane caricature? Um, luckily, halfway through the flight, he switched seats with his wife so he could have the window seat and spill essentially into the window. But it was baffling to me. Um, also, his breathing was audible all the time, mm-hmm. which really bothered me since I didn't have headphones. Um, so, anyway, with that, well, Sarah, I will turn it oh. over to you. Oh, me. Oh, well, hmm. I have a, a doozy of a plane story, and this is not, thank God, I am not, was not like directly necessarily affected by this. Um, but Terry and I were going, I had a conference in Seattle. And so we were flying to Seattle and we had um, a stop in Denver. So we were on the flight from Raleigh to Denver. So, you know, a three-ish hour flight, maybe? Sure. Something like that. Um, Terry and I, I'm in the middle seat, Terry's in the aisle seat. And maybe 45 minutes into the flight, he nudges me and starts pointing to this guy who is maybe the next row or next two rows up also on the aisle, across the aisle. So we can kind of see his shoulder and the kind of from the back of him. And Terry nudges me and points at him and is like, what's going on with this guy? And I look over and this guy this guy sitting in the aisle seat is looking at a picture of a a woman and just like a a, a photo of a woman and terry just then says to me like i've been watching this guy the whole flight he's been staring at this photo for 35 minutes and like the same photo same photo and like that's something's going on here and i was like well i mean okay fine and we go back to doing our own thing for a while well about 45 minutes later there is a ruckus in that general vicinity of the plane um this guy has taken off his pants taken off his underwear and is just sitting in his seat um and he has some flight attendants around him (laughs) trying to get him to put his pants back on um and he is saying such things as um no, I'm going to go see her and get her back. Like, we are in that situation. Um, and so he's sitting in an aisle seat. There is an empty seat next to him. And then there is this poor woman trapped. <laughs> they are not connected to each other in any way, shape, or form. And she is trapped in the in the uh, window seat next to him. Um, and this, like, this same type of conversation goes on for a while and he thinks we're going i don't remember exactly where he thought the plane was going but it was absolutely not where we were going to um but it was wherever this woman was uh that he kept telling the flight attendants and anyone who would listen to him that that's where they were going and he was going to get her back and uh yeah um continued escalating from that point um and at, at, at one point, he is standing up. It, his voice is getting louder throughout the the course of this flight, as one might expect. And his pants are still not on. Um, and he, at some point, starts yelling to the plane because the, the flight attendants and, and eventually some other flight crew and some off-duty pilots and flight crew who happen to be on the flight with us are all kind of surrounding him, trying to keep him just at least contained, whatever else um, whatever else is going on. And they um, are sort of telling him 
very, very nicely, very calmly to be quiet. And um, mm. he is getting more and more agitated and eventually starts standing up and shouting to the plane, who wants me to shut up? Nobody wants me to shut up. And we're all raising our hands on the sort of like, I, I would like for you to stop talking. If you called for a vote. Yeah, um, my, my hand is in the air. So anyway, this goes on and on and on. They finally get him kind of settled, although he's clearly still a disaster. And so we get in at Denver at the airport and um, like the <laughs> airport security, airport police, I guess, I don't know. Like we have to wait at the, at the gate. Nobody can leave because the security forces have to come in and he refuses to get off the plane and they have to drag him off the plane pantsless before any of the rest of us can leave. So do you think he made it onto a no-fly list? I have no idea. I, I don't. I, he was in a he was in a rough situation. Well, would you prefer? Hmm. That, uh, yeah, I think you win this one, sir. Bravo. Uh, yeah, that's not a compliment. This is just <laughs> no. <laughs> this isn't a competition. You have my sympathy. This is just the thing we experienced. We did just barely make our flight out of Denver to get to Seattle on time. Um, for me yeah, to attend that's... this conference, but boy, howdy, it was a. At that point, I don't know. Maybe you prefer somebody talking to you about eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between the two, I'm picking the eggs. And universes. Yeah, it was it was nutty. I mean, to be fair, I think I'm picking the eggs over screaming baby sitting next to me too. So, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 if he's literally just going down this list, it might be entertaining to the degree I don't think he's going to stab me in some egg-related way by the time the conversation ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this isn't. This is a creepy and unfortunate interaction, but it doesn't seem particularly dangerous. <laughs> Feels very on brand for Cedar Rapids. Maybe. Do yeah. we? Uh, are we? Is it reasonable to believe these paragraphs are in order? That's a good question. Because the last one, in some ways, I think feels a little bit out of place. Feels almost like a, that's an earlier one in some ways, but I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, the last one, that hard-boiled lo- egg looks delicious. I think I should like a bite. Um, I don't think that that's out of place. Um, I think that's a really gross comment. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, BJ. I don't think it's out of place. I do think that like the, you know, the larger kind of um, airplane view narrative of this whole thing is really a kind of um, is really a sort of power struggle on who is going to have the upper hand at any moment, and that's like a like a I think it's a gross comment. I think it's a sort of reclaiming too of well, yeah, but I'm still I in th- this position. I thought in some ways 15 led to 14 because it is a gross comment, and I almost feel like she just then threw the egg at him in response to it. I think oh, who knows? I yeah, think this is the like post egg throwing. Collecting the of walked the away egg. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But I, I, I see what you mean, Spencer. I think it, co- it could have gone in either place, quite honestly. But I think yeah. that it is a, I think that it is a kind of reclaiming of, like this. None of this. None right. of what this... just happens happened affects me. Yeah. So, right. so essentially, like twelve is like a weird talking about Patsy Cline and, and some weirdness there and then 13 really gets into like a old dude hitting on his seatmate companion Mm -hmm. um and then and then 14 is i assume like the uh flight attendant interceding as the the seatmate threw an egg at him Mm -hmm. and then the last one i just imagine as they're like about like deep planning and probably like separating in like the um i don't know breezeway i was about to say gangplank but that's 100 <laughs> percent not how you like the thing that you deep plane in but we're back mm-hmm. to pirates of penzance <laughs> yes um mm. but but the just like the last moment that he's probably about to 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 see this person is just like mm, your hard-boiled egg looks delicious i'd like to take a bite and then like walks yeah. away and that's yeah. just like so gross yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, by the end here what has started out as a 
seemingly random kind of story that seemed vaguely amusing has really became twisted and dark as you kind of understand what this person has been going through throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. the, the things that were originally subtext have just been made very plain by the end. Yeah. yeah. All right, so other things that we want to talk about um, in we, <laughs> around I think this we, story. <laughs> I think we've read half of it out at this point. <laughs> So that's probably enough. Okay. Well, if our listeners have other... Egg-related questions. Egg-related questions. Egg-related egg content that they're curious that, that, <laughs> uh, that we if, produce. If they are looking for more universes contained in eggs. Uh, BJ, where can they go? Um, they can go to megumtalks.com, uh, where we have all of our egg-related content. Um, there is uh, Mangum Eggs TV, where... Uh, Spencer and Lee go over various TV shows that they watch and give a, a rating of uh, one out to four hard-boiled eggs. And uh, there's also our podcast within a podcast, Pottering Around, as well as Whiskey on the Weekends, um, and all sorts of other things that happen on a less regular basis. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can go to mangumtalks.com and click contact us at the upper right hand corner. And we'd love to hear your uh, suggestions or anything else. And uh, next week, I think we're going to do another um, Carmen Maria Machado, just sort of like we did with um, uh, Nnedi Okafor, where mm -hmm. we read a story that is a little bit more representative of their work um, and is a little bit more of a story. Yes. Um, and I, th I, I think we're going to read The Husband's Stitch. Is that right? Yeah, sounds sure. good. Okay. Uh, can I be reassured that there are no eggs in that story? I cannot guarantee such a thing, Spencer. Oh, we're risking the possibility of eggs. <laughs> we shall Spencer, endure. you should just have great expectations for it. Oh, the pain is real, BJ. Let's stop now. <laughs> Well, this has been a, a clucking good time, y'all. Oh, get it. I'm done. Good night, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>